You're now listening to episode 56 of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Tom Costello here with 1031 Exchange and DST expert Jay McPherson from Great Point Capital, LLC. In today's episode, we discuss the various aspects of combining 1031 exchanges with Delaware Statutory Trust to defer capital gains and depreciation recapture tax on the sale of your investment properties. As you learned today, DSTs are a great strategy for investors who want to preserve their purchasing power and keep their money working for them, but no longer want to deal with the headaches of actively managing properties. Before we jump right into today's episode, we want to remind you about our virtual workshops. They are not a webinar but rather our virtual workshops are a highly interactive experience that puts you in a room with our tax strategists as well as fellow real estate investors. We will discuss a topic for the first 15 to 20 minutes and then open the room up for questions. This is the perfect opportunity to get answers to those real estate tax and accounting questions that you've been dying to ask, while at the same time discovering what other real estate investors are asking. You could sign up for our virtual workshops by visiting therealestatecpa.com backslash virtual-workshop or by following the link in the show notes below. And without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode. Jay, thanks for coming on the show today. Could you give our listeners a little information about your background, how you got involved in the 1031 Exchange and DST space? Uh, for me, I, I grew up in real estate. Uh, my family owned real estate. Uh, it was really something that I believed in. Uh, I watched my dad make mistakes in exchanging out of real estate, and he sold it paying capital gains taxes. In in other words, he gave away the majority of his profit on the sale. And so I was in real estate already, but I didn't know a lot about 1031 exchanges, knew very little. I moved into financial advising with Merrill Lynch. And from Merrill Lynch, I moved on and... uh, went through Wells Fargo and now I'm currently with Great Point Capital. And the reason why I kind of I moved out of the big wirehouse is because the big wirehouse didn't allow for anything with real estate. And that was really a big problem to me is that at the time no one knew a lot about this. My passion was real estate. I believe in real estate way more than I did the market. I, I thought you know something tangible that you can put your hands on has always been a better investment to me. That's what drove me into learning more about 1031 exchanges and the real estate space as well as uh, Delaware Statutory Trust. Absolutely, so kind of my background. It was kind of a personal, you know, it was kind of a personal thing with me of watching you know my dad not make as much money as he could have on on real estate. No, absolutely. It's definitely a great reason to get into it. You know, at the Real Estate CPA, we are always, uh, you know, interested in course of lowering people's tax liability, lowering the amount of taxes we have to pay. And so, just for our listeners out there, uh, we are going to be discussing a strategy involving a Delaware statutory trust, also called the DST. And you know, that strategy at its core, it uses the 1031 exchange. And just to recap, uh, you know, what a 1031 exchange is. You know, essentially, what happens is when you sell your property, when you sell a rental property, uh, hopefully you're going to have a capital gains tax, assuming you know the property did well 
and you're going to have to pay tax on that capital gain. And what the 1031 exchange allows you to do is allows you to defer that tax into the future and use the entire sales proceeds towards the purchase of a new, usually larger asset. And it re- really, and, and Jay, feel free to jump in here if uh, this doesn't make sense. But what it allows you really to do is it allows you to preserve your purchasing power because the capital gains tax that you would have had to pay is instead available to you to, to purchase property, to purchase your next rental property. Absolutely. I was going to ask you, Thomas, what is the highest tax bracket you've ever seen or tax capital gains tax that you've ever seen on a 1031? Highest capital gain? Well, I mean, I've seen gains, gains themselves, you know, into the millions of dollars. Now, depending on what tax bracket you're in, uh, you'd be paying anywhere between 15 to 20% in capital gains tax plus the net investment income tax of 3.8%. So I guess you could say the highest capital gains tax rate that I've seen people pay is 23.8%. And, you know, let's wow. just say that, you, you know, you have a million dollar capital gain, you know, you're paying 230, you know, let me just pull up the calculator and make sure I get that one right. But, you know, you're looking at, at 23.8%, you're paying $238,000 in capital gains tax alone. And, you know, if you had a, an LTV, let's say you're able to invest with an LTV of 75%, you know, this $238,000 could be worth you know $952,000 in additional purchasing power on your next property. So, right. So, Jay, with that said, can you give a bit of information to our listeners about how uh, you know, a DST works in conjunction with a 1031 exchange and why would an investor want to use a DST? Absolutely. So the biggest reason uh, you would want to use it, you know, if you're done actively managing real estate, and, and you're just, you know, you, you're ready to spend time with your kids, your grandkids, go fishing more, whatever the case may be. That $900,000 that you just were mentioning and purchasing power, the full amount goes into a DST. The companies that I work with, they do not, if you take $100,000, a million dollars, you put it in, $100,000 million, it gets invested. You do not pay fees on top of that. It's not an annual fee. It's not like a managed money account that you would pay. It's paid for by the sponsors. So a lot of the reasons why I'm seeing people use, besides just a passive estate planning uh, use with the DST, the bigger reasons that I'm seeing them use it, they're using it for what's called the boot. That's if, let's say you have um, $150,000 in uh, exchangeable property, but you only found a hundred thousand dollars worth of, of new property, but your exchange was one hundred fifty thousand. So that extra fifty thousand, you can use in what's called the boot. So that's one way that I've seen it. Besides estate planning, another way I've seen it is just portfolio diversification because of the type of properties that are in a DST. It can go from multifamily, it can go uh, grocery stores, shopping centers. Uh, the big one right now is Dollar Tree and CBS Pharmacy. And why I point those out in particular is that they are somewhat recession-proof. So, so those are some properties I'm very high on just because they do have a, a nice recession-proof capability about them. So I guess the, some reasons why someone would use a DST is, I think you mentioned in there, um, one is the passive investment. Um, if you're looking to use a 1031 exchange, normally you have to buy a property, then you're going to have to worry about property management and you're going to have to continue to operate the property. But with the DST, it sounds like you can, you know, you invest it 
you still use a 1030 exchange to defer the capital gains tax, but you're investing in a passive exactly. investment. Uh, you're also investing in maybe assets that you don't normally have access to, like you had mentioned, like a CVS or a dollar uh, general or dollar tree type of investment, which is maybe more at the institutional level. One other thing that's really good about the diversification of this is that you can find DSTs with one property or DSTs with multiple properties. So you're not reliant just on one lease. And the majority of the ones that I deal with are corporate leases. So you're not looking at really people going out of business. You're not looking at you know dollar stores that are owned by mom and pop. These are dollar stores that are, have guarantors of large corporations and national chains. Nice. That's good to hear. It's good. It sounds like, I guess you're stepping up into a, another class of assets, which is definitely a positive. Um, would you be able to kind of take us through what the process looks like, say, from A to Z? Say, say I'm an investor and I'm about to sell a multifamily property and I have a huge gain and I, and I want to use a DST. I'm, I don't want to manage the property anymore. I come to you. What happens? Well, just to make sure that the first step is followed, not a penny of that money touches your hand and then it goes to a qualified intermediary. That's the biggest mistake I see people, uh, and and I get those calls, is that I just got the check for the proceeds of my property. How can I get into a DST? The answer is you can't. Once that check touches your hands, goes into your account, you know, you're, it has to go to a qualified intermediary. From there, uh, we identify when we're identifying on the property sheet on the exchange on the exchange form with qualified intermediary. We put down the property addresses, and you can close on this. Uh, that's essentially. I mean, it's. I've done this at eleven o'clock at night. I've identified properties in a DST. You list them the exact same way. You list them with the percentages of how much money you're putting in. Where I, and like I said, I've done this in little as an hour. And it, one to three days is the typical turnaround time. But as long as you have them identified on your sheet and closed within 180 days, it's fairly simple. It's not, you know, it's not um, like closing on a property and you've got to make sure that everything's coordinated. It's really a two, two, three person process at most. Got it. So, so I guess to summarize that, it starts off the 1031 exchange process. And I, I, we always recommend to our clients, you know, if you're out there, and you're thinking of doing a 1030 exchange, you need to get in contact with a qualified intermediary as soon as possible, as soon as you're trying to uh, yeah. do that exchange. Because like, like Jay said, you need to get that money. You can't receive the money. When you sell the property, you have to get it into the hands of a qualified intermediary. And then you have to identify uh, the asset. You have 45 days from the right. date of sale to identify one to three properties generally to replace the, the property you're selling. And in this case, you would identify the DST or the property owned by the DST. And then from there, uh, you would ultimately close on that property, which I imagine would be investing into the DST and taking ownership through that tick interest. You would be taking interest, yes, through uh, the percentage of what you've purchased. And the qualified intermediary actually wires that money to the sponsor. And that's pretty much the final step in that. It's a very quick and easy process. A lot of my clients have been so amazed at how quick and simple it was that they almost don't believe it can be true. I've seen a number of these in my day, so it's definitely true. But with that said, what are some of the challenges of doing DST? Are there any challenges or is there any type of things that people run up against while trying to get this done? Well, 
I wouldn't say as far as getting it done. Some people have a hard time wrapping their head around the fact that it's a five to 10 year hold. Mm-hmm. These aren't, you know, you can't buy your way out of this. There's no market for DSTs. It is just like having a piece of real estate. Now, it's not like a tick where there's a maximum of, I believe, 36 investors and you only put in, so everybody has to put an equal amount. It's not like that. It's under a trust, but the trust makes all the decisions for it. But you can't get out of it until the strategy, the exit strategy is executed. But to that point, the best part of that is that you have money, you have managers, real estate portfolio managers that have been in the business a long time. They spot when to buy and when to sell. So, you know, that's how they maximize your gain on the back end. And you can still roll over into another DST. You can take that money and go into another property if that's the way you see fit. But that's it's been a really popular. It's usually a little bit more popular in people that are ready to retire because they usually have kids that aren't in real estate or don't live in the same town as them if they don't have a business. Usually the business is a little bit more to, easier to transfer to an heir. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at something like this, this is an easy way because checks can be sent out to everyone. And in the event that you know a, a parent or a guardian passes, uh, the checks are still sent, and it's a better way for an estate plan rather than having another building. And the only thing you usually get when you have three siblings and one building is you usually just get a fight. Uh, yeah. So this kind of simplifies the process. So kind of what it sounds like, you know, it's a great estate planning tool, but I guess maybe for the listeners, the way they could think about this, it's in some ways similar to a traditional real estate syndication where they're investing almost as a limited partner and letting somebody else take the reins uh, and run the show right. while they just collect the check. Now, exactly. with that said, you know, how are the sponsors compensated in this structure? How, how do the people who put this deal together get paid? The, the sponsors have a uh, designated portion that they only get paid after the uh, investors get paid. So no money, they can't hold any money or invest them in anything other than short-term instruments. But any money, any cash that's there has to be distributed. Some distribute quarterly. The majority of them distribute monthly. So the majority of the sponsors do not get paid until the back end. They pay to um, the uh, property management. That's all included in the PPM of the DST as to who will get paid what out of the rents that are collected. And then they essentially make their money on the back end when they sell out of the property or to use the exit strategy, whether it be breaking it up and it goes on the exchange or selling it off to a larger company, whatever the exit strategy is, that's how they get paid. But there's still a percentage of that gain goes toward the investor and the exchanger who who bought the DST. So you get paid income plus appreciation. Got it. Got it. So um, before moving on to like the next the next segment, can we just summarize the pros and the cons of using a DST? Yes. The, the pros uh, is that it's a passive income, uh, real estate income vehicle for a quick exchange. It's very simple in the exchange of one to three days. It's a monthly income. There's a capital appreciation. The cons are is that you cannot get out of it for five to 10 years that it is an absolute hold. There's no way to trade. There's no market for DST to sell on a secondary market. 
Got it. So I guess if you're getting into it, you just have to be prepared to be locked in. With that said, where can our listeners find out about these DST opportunities? I am more than willing to help anyone find out more about DST opportunities and what suits them and if it is suitable for them. Uh, it is an accredited investor mm-hmm. that uh, in order to go into this, the minimum investment is usually $25,000. So that does make it a little easier, even if you were looking to stay actively invested, but you want to take the additional boot and invest it so you did not have to pay capital gains taxes. So I'm more than happy to help guide through any, whether it be multifamily, grocery stores, shopping centers. I can provide that information. Got it. And, and to clarify, Jay, you also handle the 1031 process as well? I handle the 1031 in that I quarterback it, but I, I usually use qualified intermediaries because it doesn't look good to have uh, the same person. I am not a qualified intermediary. But I have several qualified intermediaries that I can refer people to that are very reputable and been in the business for a long time, and they're scattered throughout the country. So, Got it. Got it. Got it. So because this is uh, an accounting tax podcast, we do have an accounting tax segment, although I guess you could say that we did speak a lot about taxes here in this strategy. Um, but what would you say outside of the DST, outside of 1031 exchanges, what is the best tax advice, Jay, you ever received? Oh, the best tax advice I ever received. Man, that's, you know, the best tax advice I ever received is my dad said, don't ever do your taxes yourself. Go to an accountant. That's the best tax advice I ever received is don't try to do it yourself. Leave it to the professionals that do this every day. Yeah. You know, Jay, I'd have to agree with that. And it's not just because I'm a CPA. Before I was a CPA, I used to think, oh, I could just do my taxes myself. No big deal. How hard is this? But, you know, especially when you're, you're in a space like real estate, you don't want to be missing out on anything. You know, I see this all the time. We take a look at someone's tax return. People aren't taking depreciation. People are missing other expenses like insurance. Other times people are working full-time in a real estate business and they're not taking the real estate uh, professional election. So, you know, I'd have to agree, you know, you want, no matter what, if you're doing real estate or if you're in manufacturing or you're in any type of business, work with a CPA, work with a tax advisor who knows that industry inside and out because the tax code is actually more complicated than you'd expect. Um, but you know, in your business uh, currently, you know, what is your favorite piece of technology or, or mobile app that you're currently using? Oh, man. Um, that's a good one. Um, I, I would say the, I want to say Dropbox is the best thing I'm using right now. Dropbox and Salesforce. Because I'm able to access anything from anywhere with the Dropbox. So I, I would have to say that's the best piece of technology I'm using right now, the best app I'm using. All right. Because that way I'm able to find a number of DSTs, you know, no matter where I'm at, just from my phone. You know, no, Dropbox is definitely awesome. I know how the Real Estate CPA podcast uses Dropbox. When I did a deal, I did a, I was a part of a, a general partnership of a syndication. We, we have all, our, all of our files on Dropbox. Um, a great alternative to Google Drive. And uh, just a great app overall. So definitely agree. Uh, Dropbox, definitely definitely great. Now, how can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more about uh, DSTs or perhaps are looking to use the DST as an exit strategy for, for their real estate? They can call me directly. Jay McPherson with Great Point Capital. It's uh, 321-297-3217. I prefer to talk to people over the phone unless they just really want to email me and uh, always email me at jmcpherson at gpcchi.com. Uh, and I'd be happy 
to discuss or if I can put them in contact with anyone here in my state, because obviously we are favorable on, on uh, in taxes in Florida. As far as looking for triple net lease properties, I know a number of people that have off-market deals. You know, I don't make anything off those. It's, it's another one of those things. But if I can do somebody to help, do something to help somebody uh, out, especially when they're struggling to try to find a property or figure out the 1031 exchange, it is always my pleasure. That's great. And before we go, uh, is there anything that we did not discuss today, uh, either about the 1031 exchange process or about Delaware Statutory Trust that you believe our listeners should know about? I just think that everyone, no matter no matter what you're doing with a 1031 exchange, should explore all of their options. That is the biggest thing is explore all your options. Get as educated as you can because when you do your research on DSTs, it's going to sharpen you up for looking at other triple nets as to what you should be expecting, what kind of uh, yield you should be expecting, or cash flow, rather. So that's really the thing that I think you should should know is that uh, explore all your options. Oh, and then consult with your CPA is the big thing to make sure that it's suitable for you and your family. You know, I absolutely agree with that there too. Always great to explore your options. You definitely want to know what's out there. You want to know how each of these things will impact you. Working with a CPA or another qualified tax advisor will help you point out things that you may not have seen or you may not have expected in the transaction. But Jay, you know, something I was actually just thinking about as you said that, and I don't think we we touched on this necessarily here in the podcast yet, but you, you said triple net opportunities. So it sounds like DSTs, there's a lot of triple net opportunities. Why is that? Why is a triple net property so favorable for this type of investment as opposed to, say, a multifamily property or, or any other type of investment and an opportunity that could be out there? Uh, wow, that's a really good question. You, you, you got me on that one real quick. <laughs> No, um, they're very favorable in triple net leases with DSPs. It is a, a lot more solid on the triple net lease. Uh, that way, the landlord is responsible rather than the tenant for the real estate taxes, the maintenance, and the insurance. Um, it's a little bit more stable. Guys, so I apologize. It, Thomas, you had me on that one. I, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't prepared on that one. It's no problem at all. It's just something that came to my mind, and and I'm thinking. I gotta imagine because the DST, you know, you want to try to maybe. You know, it sounds like from what you just said, you want to ultimately try to put the management on on the tenant as much as you can, so that the DST is a lot smoother in terms of the operation. I, I guess that kind of is the bottom line there. The three nets of the property tax, insurance, and maintenance. Uh, you know, the triple net includes the three net. It's common, and the it's very common, and it makes for more profitable to have those all included. You no, know, makes total sense. Makes total sense. So. I want to thank you for coming on the show today, Jay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and drop your information in the show Thanks, notes buddy. for everybody who uh, everybody who's interested in DSDs may want to connect with Jay. And uh, looking forward to releasing this. Thank you so much, Thomas, for having me on. And I look forward to working with you in the future, bud. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.